Hello and welcome to Relish the Journey, a podcast about the many different pathways of life and the stories that every person out there has to share. I'm your host, Miles Biggs, and my guest today is a very good friend of mine, Michael Tonart. Mike and I met almost 10 years ago now, and we were roommates in college from freshman year through junior year, uh, swimming teammates in college, fraternity brothers, and all around lifelong friends, as it turns out. So happy to have you, Mike. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Miles. I appreciate it, bud. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, I just talked to Nick John before I spoke to you, and getting into Nick John, I'm about 30 seconds into the podcast with Nick, and I say, hey, Nick, you know, we've known each other for 10 years. When I started in college, you were a junior when I was a freshman, and he just hits me with, yeah, you know, I thought you and Mike were douchebags at first. I couldn't tell <laughs> if I liked you or not or if you were just a tool bag. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that, Nick. So what was funny, and i am still been thinking about it, I don't know if this story is about me or about you. I'm wondering if you remember because I don't. He said he couldn't tell if he liked us, and then it was one of us, but he couldn't remember which. We got really drunk with him and started singing Frank Sinatra and then he bonded with that person and realized that we were good people. Dude, oh, I remember that. So that so was you. Vividly. So vividly. It's, I mean, it sounded honest, like I mean, it would be you. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, before we even get to that, I mean, like, let's be honest here. You and I might have been a little douchey because we're pretty confident individuals. So I mean, knowing Nick John, he's probably like, ah, look who are these two guys? They think they're such, yeah. you know, hot stuff coming in. But yeah, I mean, it, it kind of happens. When I went for my recruiting trip, you know, I'm in the cafeteria, and, you know, with with up with my host at the time, Dave Zablocki. And I was sitting there, and they're you know talking to me about the school and trying to sell it to me as as they do on um, these athletic recruiting trips. And you know, we're sitting there, and in waltzes is this guy. I mean, it was you could tell it was a little rocky at first, you know, meeting him. But by the end of that night, we were walking down the middle of the quad. Uh, pretty inebriated and arm in arm Belton Frank Sinatra and I mean as they say the rest is uh, kind of history but yeah Bill Nick John what a what a story that that probably was I can only imagine it's good stuff though it is makes you miss college life was so much simpler then (sighs) simplicity there's a lot to be said for simplicity it's like yeah, like you said, when we when we got there, we were both very confident. And I actually remember the first time I met you was actually not even uh, when we officially moved on to campus yet. It was like welcome weekend or something in the middle of the summer orientation, I think it was. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. And you were – I forget who you are hanging out with. It was somebody else and our name – Rob Wilson was my roommate, man. Well, oh, for orientation weekend, was he? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So I'm going to think about that dynamic. Yeah. Quick. Well, just yeah. – we were all – you know, man, we were all just different people back then is really what it comes down to. I mean, 18-year-old high school senior you is way different from even two months into college freshman you. You know, it's just oh, wild. But sure. you came up and our names were on the doors and you were just like uber confident. I think it was like your white Kangol hat just like <laughs> dressed to the nines as you were and continue to be. And you're just like, hey, you Miles. And I'm just like, uh, yes, who are you? <laughs> and because uh, my roommate, sorry, jumping around, was uh, Dustin. Oh, man. And I remember yeah. he, hooked, he hooked up with a girl in our room on orientation. I remember that. Dude, yeah, anyway, college. Was, yeah. 
But oh, so man. you're just like, hey, I'm your roommate. And I was like, oh, crazy. This is nuts. And I remember for the longest time, I thought you were from Texas because <laughs> when we got the info pack, it was like, your roommate is Michael Tonight. He's from Dallas. And I just didn't read through to Pennsylvania. And I've never even heard of Dallas, Pennsylvania before. But that's you where you're from. You and a lot of people, man. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk about that. It's a good segue because it's something yeah. you and I never really talked a lot about it because I think both of us were trying to forget our hometowns when we came yeah. to college. But what was it like growing up in Dallas, Pennsylvania? Dude, Dallas, Pennsylvania. So funny historical facts. Supposedly from you know what I've read in my town's history, Dallas, Pennsylvania was established before, technically before Dallas, Texas. Huh. And I, it was just one of those areas that was you know kind of – located perfectly in the middle between Philadelphia and New York City, which were two very large immigrant hubs, so to say. And, you know, from what I heard, it was, and what I've read, it was established, you know, historically before Dallas, Texas, which is kind of a cool fact, but it's just, it's a small town in Pennsylvania, Northeast PA, near Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. Everyone always asks, I don't know where those are, so I'm like, how about the show The Office? Yeah, And they're like, oh, yeah, Scranton. I'm like, yeah, well, you get the idea. Um, (laughs) But it, it, it was interesting, man. It was very rural, typical rural PA. Just uh, did what a normal, I would say, kid from like the Burbs would do, you know, uh, sports, you know, scouts, Boy Scouts, um, just hanging out with friends and, you know, swimming, which, you know, eventually ended up colliding our two worlds together. Yeah, dude, that was you funny know? about, you got to give it up to Coach Jerry because he placed us in yeah. rooms and both... He used it. Both swam and both swam breaststroke. Both were yeah. in scouts and both were eagle yeah. scouts. We both yeah. were super into music. Yeah. And it's like yeah. you, I think it's you couldn't we're, have we're pretty identical in, in, in a lot of Oh yeah, dude, for similar, sure. Similar similar is a better term, but similar in a lot of those ways. I mean he knew what he was doing. Let's be it's kinda of funny looking back on it though. It's like, you know, we knew it at the time we're like, Oh, well this makes sense. <laughs> of course he put us together. I mean Yeah, but it's funny because I don't know if this was everyone's college experience, but it was definitely yours and mine. But part of your college identity is like, who's your roommate? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just like you became one person, even though you were two people. It was kind of funny. You became your own brand. Yeah. More or less, especially in a smaller school setting, let's be honest. I mean, you have True. that opportunity to become more of like a brand. It's kind of cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, what's interesting about Dallas, though, if we're going back to that, is, um, you know, it's not too far from Williamsport, which is where Lycoming is. So uh, for those of you who are listening and, and don't know geographically, it's more centrally located in the state of Pennsylvania. So it was about like an hour and a half, pushing two hours uh, from my hometown, which is not, not that far. But it was it's funny. It's like one of the last places I'm like, I'll ever go is Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And then lo and behold. So what brought you to Lyco then? Dude, it's just the, you know, it's, it's just the vibe. Yeah. The vibe was, and I don't know how to explain that. Some people don't understand what a, a vibe is or like the energy. People aren't very receptive to the energy sometimes, but it was just a really good feeling there. It was probably because I went to visit it right when all the trees started blooming on campus. So it was like super beautiful. Dude, um, it's funny so you just, say that because I only applied to like home and college. Like I looked, I looked at a bunch of different places, but when I stepped foot on campus and did a campus visit, talk about vibes, I was just like, yep, like something just clicked and felt right. And I'd never heard of the place before until I got a random letter in the mail about swimming. And yep. Yep. I then too, I had a meeting with the admissions counselor. They were basically like, yeah, you'll get in. 
So I was like, okay, yeah. if I get in, then why would I waste my time applying to anybody else? And I didn't. And then the rest was history. Met. That's interesting. I actually never knew that. that yeah. You only applied to a single, single school. Single school, dude. And then you think about, I don't know, people talk about high school being the best years of life. But when you think about, I think our college experience was unique. When you think about the large group of people that we were exposed to and really became our family, I mean, best friends, brothers, teammates. Yeah. I mean, I met my wife there. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. How, what a, if you'd gone back and told me in the moment that that decision would affect all these things in my life, I would have just said no way, but here we are. It's, I mean, it's, it's true. You know, the decisions you make really do, you know, direct the outcome of your life. And, um, you know, I just had a really good feeling there. You know, I, I you know, I, I wanted to do sports in college. I didn't want to be crazy far from home far enough and you know when i went there for my recruiting trip that really like sealed the deal i mean let's be i mean my recruit trip was balling more or less let's be honest i mean in one visit i got to see president well former president uh, barack obama speak at our school i got to see good charlotte live in concert um and it was towards the end of the year so the swim team was like no longer practicing so like it was just all like you know, go hard or go home. Um, Man, your it was your recruitment trip was way cooler than mine, <laughs> dude. It was. I, I don't even know how it just all kind of lined up, but it was like one thing after the next, after the next, and then like you know, s- since we're being you know just kind of blunt here, you, you can edit this out. But I got so just. It was like it was like that, such a college moment. It's like I go to the school, I go out to these parties. My host left me at a pizza parlor. I didn't know where I was. Um, it was just like the quintessential in my in my mind at that time, like college experience. Was like, That's all funny. right, where do I sign? Bring out the papers. Yeah, I'm right. Good for it. Yeah, let's do it. And dude, I I love it, man. It's like dude. it's like my second home. Still to this day, it's like my second home. Like I feel like I can go there and have that like strong nostalgic feeling, but then feel like right back at home. Dude, you know? and you just saying that just brought back. I don't know why this memory. Give my thought process here. You're you're describing that. And in my mind, I'm hearing the song Asher Roth, I Love College, because uh, that, that was, the song that was like the anthem of our freshman year. But then where that takes me is the fact that we played that song while we were recording a CD to tape to the back of our mirror in our freshman dorm room. Okay. You want to tell that story? Uh, oh, dude, I can tell that story. I, that, that... So Miles and I were like, you know, for those listening, Miles and I, loved i love college as every other person that year did so like everyone has i feel like every freshman class no matter when you know when you when you go through that freshman year throughout like the history of what college is always i feel like has like a song that was popular on the radio or something of that current time and it's like that's song that like defines what your freshman year is which is like a game changer for for um for you as a you know growing adult i mean i love college freshman year we were Kind of closing out the year, it was an awesome, awesome experience that year. I mean, so much happened, and we're sitting in our dorm, and we're like, you know what? We need to do something that, like, you know, kind of historically, you know, sets the record straight as to what happened our freshman year in Asbury 116. Dude, 118. 118, 118. Oh, my God, 118. <laughs> How dare you? That was not the room. I know, I know, dude. Slip of the memory there. That's fine. Getting old. Getting old. Um. But we're sitting there and we're like, you know what? We heard of people doing this before, putting stuff behind their mirrors. So we fired up the computer, found like 
an instrumental version of I Love College on like YouTube or something and literally just threw it on, started recording ourselves talking about like what freshman year is about, what to do, what not to do, like essentially like a roadmap to success with what we viewed as success freshman year. We recorded this thing, definitely just stuff on there that, you know, you wouldn't want to talk about (laughs) with people finding it. So we tape it to the back of the mirror and, you know, we think everything's cool for like, you know, sophomore year, junior year, like no one ever said anything. We thought it, you know, was just back there. I think, didn't we ask somebody sometime? One yeah, of the because we, well, there that, that they found it and they're like, no, we didn't find it. Yeah. Cause our sophomore year, we went back and knocked on Asbury yeah. 118 and we're like, yo, we used to have your room, check behind the mirror, listen yeah. to it. And it was gone. And we're like, oh man, I wonder what happened and didn't think yeah. anything of it. Yeah, and then, like, oh, you know, whatever. But uh, you're and you're you're forgetting a small detail. We recorded it, but then we were like, "Hey, we left you presents," and we hid shot glasses oh, in the closet. Yeah. So then, fast forward through senior year, and Mike oh. and I get this email from the the dean of students oh, saying he, he wants. Our, I mean, granted, he was our buddy. Like he liked. He us. was a really good guy, and so. Yeah, he liked Dude, I don't know about you, but my first thought was like, dude, we're getting an award. Like, oh, yeah, so did we, I. I we like, won like, something. Was, this is incredible. Like, students or like something like that. Yeah, so I'll let, <sighs> I'll let you tell the rest, though. I don't want to interrupt dude, I, uh, It's crazy to think about this, but like he brings us in, sits us down. He's like, you know, essentially it was like, you know, it's been great having you guys, you know, here more or less, you know, we really get along. I like you both. Um, but I got to share something with you that, you know, we kind of came across after your freshman year, and I think at that moment when he pulled, like, he pulled out the CD, and at that moment, I I remember looking at you, and you looked at me, and we're both like, "Holy shit, I, this guy!" Because I'd forgotten guy, about it, really. Yeah, because we completely just thought it just evaporated more or less into the ether of college or whatever college is, and pulls this thing out, and we're like, "Well." Here we go. He's like, I think you guys know what this is, don't you? And we're like, yeah, yeah. Dude. And, uh, and, he, they found, they and found he hits play, and it's like, oh, I ain't going out like a sucker no way. That's the beginning of yeah, I Love Calls. Yeah, like, I Love Calls in the oh. back room. It's like, hey, this is Mike, this is Miles. No, and, no, you know, back up. It was like, hey, this is Mike. Hey, this is Miles. We sounded like we didn't oh, even hit yeah, puberty yeah. yet. We sounded so young. High voices. Oh, man. Oh. And then yeah, he proceeded to tell us on. that he yeah. played that for like every member of like the college leadership department staff yes. who yes, we were dealing did. with our entire college career and had no idea yep. the whole time they're thinking, these are the kids with the CD in the wall. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. But you know what? I don't know if they re- – they couldn't have hated it because they didn't say anything. I'm pretty sure they're like, all right, this is kind of different. Like we've – I bet you they haven't seen anything like that before. Well, because if you remember, we were talking about like tips for partying, sure. But then we were saying stuff like, listen, there's no excuse to get less than a C in in class. Just show up to class and you will get a C. Like it it is not hard. I remember him saying, he's like, you know, I've thought about playing this for like, you know, the new student orientation because you guys have some good stuff here. And I'm just like, oh my God. It, it, It was just, it was innocent. But it was like super honest. Oh, it was wasn't funny, malicious. It wasn't like malicious in any intent. But it was like it was so natural for us at that time in our lives. Like, like it, I feel like it wasn't even a second thought in our heads when it came up. No. We're just like, yeah, we got to do this. 
Well, well that goes back to people thinking we were tool bags because I don't know, uh, yeah, for whatever reason, we were just like uber confident and dude, I don't know. Yeah. It was when you, when I look back and then I think about what I'm doing in my life right now and what you're doing in your life right now, I think that was, I don't know, really real talk. I don't know if I'd be the same person I am today if you weren't my freshman roommate. Like dude, you, I agree, you pushed me to like this next level of just like gave me that confidence boost. Like, yeah, dude. We'll do it together. And we did the stupidest stuff. But I learned so much doing yeah. that. And that's what college was so great. It was a great bubble to fail in. And then you yeah. get it out of your system. And now we're in the real world and we're both successful. And we can look back and laugh, but then also look back and cringe and say, we thought it was a good idea to take out a blank CD, which is funny and dates us right there, then record yeah. it, burn it, tape a copy to the mirror, and it was just I think everything's gonna be cool. Yeah, hide shot glasses. Yeah, I think everything's gonna be cool. Like, ah, this is never. No one's ever gonna find this. I mean, let's be honest here. I'm just like and hide and hide like minor paraphernalia around the room for people to find. Yeah, I mean, man, that was fun. wow. Who's who would have thought? Oh my god, that's crazy. Oh, good memories. Yeah, man. So I want to talk about that too. Just that topic because I don't. We never really talked about why we had that attitude. So I don't know how much I told you this back then, but high school was rough for me, dude. I hated it. I was shy. I wasn't popular. Didn't have a lot of friends. Didn't feel like I fit in. So when I got to college, I was just like, you know what? I'm rewriting the book. Nobody knows me. I'm going to be the opposite of what I was and screw it. Let's just go. And then you were just game the whole time. So I've always wondered, have you always been that way? Or were you like me where you just decided, you know what? I'm going to flip it and be different. You know what I mean? Dude, I was like the exact same as you, man. Exact. Like to the T. Almost to the T, dude. So like I came up through high school, like I was always like on like this borderline. Like people knew me, but I wasn't like popular, but I was like way different than everybody else. Like just like how I was raised. You know, I just I just kinda did I went to the beat of my own drum. Dude, um, weren't you? I this just came back to me too. You were really into you were really into it and good at it. Dance too, weren't you? Yeah, man. Which was, had to be hard like, as a guy. Dude, it's such a strange combination. Like I look back on that point in life, and I was like, you know, I was I was in Boy Scouts. I was in, you know, I was competitively trained dancer. I did swimming and lacrosse. Like I I, I felt like this mutt of a person that did all these different things, and no one really knew where to classify me. Like, I, I couldn't find my classification within the quote-unquote, like, high school, like, hierarchy yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Because, like, I kind of, like, did a bunch of really random stuff that most people from Dallas, Pennsylvania don't do. And I just kind of, like, you know, I cr- – and I dressed well, too. That's another thing I keep – like, I come from, more like, a country area. And people just, like, always wore, like, my my words, like, basic shit, like, jeans, cowboy boots, like, you know, drove trucks and stuff. And, like, you know, I was listening to, like, like really old, like, Kanye West in my headphones at the time. Like, work, like walk around in, like, a pink sweater. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like just, like, really different. And I got out, and I'm like, you know what? Like, college is, like, this opportunity for me to just be whoever the hell I want to be and continue to be. And, like, no one has a predetermined idea of who I am because, like, I knew for a fact that nobody from my home area went to school there. And I was like, this is a perfect opportunity for, like, we really to kind of define what 
and who I am, or at least grow to be that person. So same as you, man, like I came in just like ready to rock and roll. I was like, let's do this, man. Like I know, like I, I was always so confident as a kid because like I did so much different stuff that people didn't do and I was good at it, but no one understood it. But I was still like, I came in ready to just rock and roll, like burn bridges and like pillage villages. And, yeah, I remember. You get it, man. Like if you're in the same boat, like you yeah, understand man. it. I remember we looked at each other in our freshman year and one of us said, or both said, something in effect of, by the time we graduate this place, everyone will know our name. And, dude, good, bad, or indifferent, they knew who we are. And a lot of the times it was bad, but we definitely had our crew of people that knew who we really were and loved us it, and followed us. It, it, and, was, it, it was bad, but like a good bad. It was like, it was like these guys don't follow the status quo. Yeah. Well, we could probably do a whole other podcast on like fraternity gang wars too, and we'll just, that could be a whole topic about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really stirred the pot. We did yeah. stir the pot. Oh my gosh, this is just coming back to me, dude. We rewrote the lyrics to "I'm on a boat" to be "I'm in a frat" and performed it live in the college chapel with auto tune. Like, so if that's not the definition of confidence, I don't know what. I don't it. know. I mean, like for everybody who, who listens to this, you know, what he just said is is 110% true. We took I'm on a boat from Step Brothers, huge at the time, and our buddy Jahail, who you'll definitely hear throughout this at one point in this Yeah, this definitely got to well. talk to him. Yeah. He, he, had, he, got, he had access to an auto-tune machine, like a legit auto-tune machine that he used in like a studio. And, you know, one summer I went to visit, I went to visit you and I, I think, I think it, we, were, we were, it was music fest time so we were like, I went to Music Fest back in um, Lehigh Valley with you that, that summer, and I think like something just popped in your head. And you're like, "Yo, like, what happens if we did this?" I was like, "That's a great idea." And then we just started knocking lyrics out, and I think it kind of, you know, we did it. It sat for a little, for a couple months during school, and then Greek Greek Week came around, and we brought it back, and, and we we wrapped it up. And I mean, we we had this thing called Chapel Skits where all the fraternity sororities get up go head to head um different categories of things and ours was like a live performance where we did i'm on a boat but we flipped it to say i'm in a frat and we had like a, a mock party going on in the background with all the brothers like playing pong like fist pumping and miles and i you know, we're just up front there on stage rapping singing with auto-tune like put this whole show on the crowds going nuts and like oh dude, dude that was epic man it was epic that was solid i mean that, that was the time people were like, wow, okay. Dude, because like, that's where people, people that were like, wow, these guys are awesome, or wow, look at those tool bags, <laughs> to use Nick John's quote. Who do these guys think they are, you know? Oh, you know for a fact that some of the fraternities are like fucking Mike and Miles, once again, yeah. douchers, you know? It's funny. It's really funny. <laughs> you know? But I'm like, dude, whatever. Winning. Winning's winning. That's dude, and it's, it's funny because... Winning. We had music in common for sure, and I've always been yeah. musical, was in marching band, choir, had a yeah. band in high school, even though it was terrible. That was fun. But one thing that I really respect about you is, you know, that's where we kind of, our past started to divert a little bit. Our personalities are very similar, but then probably through college, I got hooked up with an internship and was focused on super like real world corporate stuff. Yeah. And then you were like, you know, we had this pirated version of virtual DJ that actually my buddy Morgan from back home gave me. Uh, and we yeah, and we used back in the dorm room to make mixes and stuff for parties. But then you were just one day like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. You're like, I'm buying a, um, I don't know what you call it, like turntables. 
and you got a, an actual real version of the software and you were just, you put in the work, you grinded all through college and taught yourself how to do that to the point where I can look back on that time. Music was big in my life and I still love music, but you're still actively in the scene. So yeah, you mentioned branding earlier, so I'll plug you and you can talk about your alter ego that is DJ Tones, where that came yeah. from, what drove you, why you love it. I mean, just hit us with it. Dude, good segue. I like that. Thank you. Um, so, you know, at, yeah, as, as, uh, as Miles said, you know, music definitely important in both of our lives, you know, and there was a point at, like, at school where, um, you know, and, and I think it was our sophomore year that is when we, like, we had our first room on the fraternity floor and our parties that we had, because every, every room had a party, and that's in it, and the, and then those individual parties made up the larger party on the floor because you know we weren't using our lounge at the time. But you know our room always seemed to pop off, so to say, the hardest out of all the rooms. Like like the vibe was different in each room. Like some rooms were like kick, you know, you just go in there and relax. You know, you you go in there and smoke. Ours is you come in there and be like rage. Like you come in, there's good music, you're partying. And I remember it was definitely it was definitely junior year or, or close to the software where that, that that pirated version of virtual DJ came in the mix and you know playing around with it and it, it helped us like kind of elevate our parties in our room. And I remember I think it was the, the summer going into junior year possibly where I first saw a video of um, DJ AM playing this festival in California and he freaking rocked it, man. I was just like watching the crowd, watching him. He was like, for those of you know DJ AM, he's like like the epitome of what a real, in my opinion, a real DJ is. Just like had the crowd in his hand. I was like, you know what? I got to do this. And, you know, go into like junior year and, you know, our parties are still like going off in the room. And then I think, you know, from when my memory is correct, I bought, I finally pulled the trigger and bought a small little DJ setup um, close to the end of junior year and worked on it like all summer, all summer long. And that in junior year, right when I got it is when we started doing like our parties in the lounge. And that's when I got my first like taste of like playing in front of people. And then I remember that summer going into senior year, I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced for like four hours a day over the summer, like, like religiously, I was obsessed with it. And I eventually started to get like little gigs and then, you know, go back to college senior year, a little bit better. And just, you know, we, we, we had full control over the lounge at that point. So for yeah. those of you listening, the lounge was like our meeting area. We had a kitchen. We had like a meeting space. There was an old DJ booth built in there from like the 70s when like disco was huge. And we threw the most epic. Oh, I mean, they were, they were for, disgusting. For, like, for like coming, for like, so for like coming college, it's besides it is like 1500 kids, liberal arts school, central PA. For that school though, those parties were legendary status. Like, dude, we like we set off we set off the smoke alarms, the fire alarms, just because of the heat inside the room. Yeah, and we danced so, the paint off the walls. We did. Like, yeah. So to paint that visual, we were like, oh, this is old, gross wood paint. Like, let's paint it. We painted it these nice colors. Had a yeah. party a couple weeks later. Come down the next morning and just ass level around the whole lounge there's just a strip of the paint missing because everybody grinding with their butts against the wall just rubbed the paint right off yeah, the wood panel dude 
it got it got crazy and like it was those parties where I you know it's you know a lot of it was like I like, you and I just wanted to have like the best quality experiences as we could provide or we could put together because like Dave you and myself were just you know we just went above and beyond in that sense and like we kind of found our roles though like like you kind of kept things from like burning down and <laughs> and Dave and Dave set you know, the fires <laughs> and, and Dave started some of the fires and like kept the vibe really you know yeah. make sure everyone had a good time like interacting directly he definitely with people. did yeah and then and then I controlled the music and like that trio of like things created like the perfect storm for like these ridiculous parties that we had and i just you know from a dj perspective i literally fell in love with it man like i was like this is fantastic dude and i loved it because i got to be your hype man i was just like the guy in the back of the booth just like yeah pretty good your hands up i'll take song requests and i remember helping you set up at a couple gigs in town then and that was the best because i just drank for free all night because i was with the dj i was like this is this is cool dude you remember the one night we had like you know kind of the to go off on a little short tangent here like sure. beta fives beta fives formal at my god oh the old corner. corner the old corner and i had my dj set up real 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 you know simple at that time but you and i still decided to rap i'm on i'm in a frat well i think we're people like, were oh, requesting yeah. it which was kind of <laughs> funny when you think back so we we're like okay and there we are just doing it Dude, and how about we were actually like quasi like club promoters for like a hot second at Synergy. We weren't, man. Remember that? That's that's like one of the first places I got like an opportunity to like DJ at was like there because we did that fundraiser for Crazy to Sound AIDS Research, which was our project in marketing. And then I got in, in, no, no, no. So Synergy was Hip Hop Helps. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hip Hop Helps was at Synergy we put on the show. I brought out Gino and um, Jayon and Hirsch, uh, DJ Hirsch, and we like put together that little hip hop right. thing, like raise money for the flood. But then Cell Block was our marketing project where I got to DJ there too. Dude, and we and, we literally just threw condoms from the second floor down on the first floor on people for great, school yeah. for class. Yeah, yeah, we did good in that product too. We did well because it was yeah. everybody else did boring stuff, and we organized an event at a nightclub where a portion yeah. of the cover helped fund AIDS resource, and we got away with it by saying, "Well, the club's an urban environment, and AIDS is an urban problem." And they were just like, "Oh, you guys are so creative." <laughs> we BSed our way through so many things, man. Throw condoms out at people and say. Here, be safe. <laughs> um, we weren't even 21. We weren't even 21. Remember that? When we were in that for that project, and they had to make an exception to let us in the nightclub. Dude, it literally, it literally, in my opinion, was like, how did that, like, how did we even get that approved? But, you know, whatever. I oh, had man. a great time. I got to, I got to DJ and um, to go, to kind of just kind of jump to like the current day, like, you know, those parties and learning the DJ there kind of led to like, you know, DJing at Bucknell University, Penn State, and then coming home and getting like a residency at like a like a, at like a bar club in Wilkesbury, and then like one thing literally led to another. You know, I ended up getting the opportunity to open for Mac Miller, like the new boys at like Dirty Heads, and I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it like three nights a week, and I got so sucked in the life. Like after I graduated, like that was my life, man. Like a lot of people don't know, like like how hard I really worked like the first couple of years out of college, like I was DJing like 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, plus working a full-time job, but, like, it didn't matter the amount of sleep that I wasn't getting, because I was just eating it up, dude, eating it up, and yeah, dude. now I'm now I'm living in Baltimore and still DJing, like, I, I'm still DJing, it's crazy, like, oh, it's almost, my God, it's from, it's eight years ago I started DJing, it's nuts. It's crazy man, how time still, flies, but yeah, you hustled still, hard, dude. Yeah, man, I, I love it, dude, it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's amazing where it's led me. They met the people I've met, the weird, crazy things that I've experienced and seen. Oh, man. It's amazing how you know. nobody thinks that the DJ can see them. It's like they just assume there's a wall there and no one can see the stuff you're doing. It's like, no. The DJ sees everything I literally, that is happening. The, the stuff, like, I'm, a, I'm, I'm numb now at this point to the shit that I've seen. But, like, once in a while, someone will do something. I'm just like, whoa. Whew. That's, that's, it's aggressive. that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. But I, I like it, man. You know, you know, I don't party that much to be honest with you. Um, not, not nothing like I used to back in the day. Like, you know, I literally go, I do my work. I, I enjoy it. And I just watch the night unfold and I guide people on their musical and whatever journey they're on that yeah. night. And hopefully they have a good time and go home, uh, you know, and have a good time, whatever that might be. I mean, it's, it's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah, DJ Talents, how about it? Like, Yeah, man, oof, definitely. It's crazy to think about it. Like, I never really think about it because it just is. It's normal at this point. Dude, and that's the whole point of... Normal at this point. I mean, sure. not to get into the whole redundancy if I say this in every podcast, but that's the whole point of this is it's the idea of relish the journey. I mean, think about all the crap you've done in the 10 years I've known you, let alone the yeah. 10 years and 10 years before that and the 10 years to do it after. Gotta stop and just look back and say, holy crap, like... That was yeah. cool, and that led to this, and then just that level. I mean, talking with Nick John was crazy when you listen to that one. Just his level of awareness, the amount of bullshit people give him because they think he's nuts. They think he's nuts because they just don't understand him. But that dude oh, yeah. is one of the most self-aware people, and just questions everything and enjoys everything. He's he's awesome, dude. Wow. So from from music in the fast lane to now life in the fast lane, talk oh, wow. about Look at that transition, dude. Hey, wow. you know what I'm. I'm new at this, but I'm 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 working it, man. Working my segues. So somehow, and I haven't heard the full story, but you work for DeWalt, which is a power tool company, and that might yeah. be the wrong name, a parent company. I'm not sure. You'll correct me later. I'm sure you make it right. But somehow you got hooked up where you are working the NASCAR circuit. So you're DJing parties at night and then interviewing NASCAR drivers during the day. I mean, talk about that. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. So. The kind of like lead ins to how that all happened, I'll kind of give you like the quick timeline. Like, you know, I was living back home in PA and just like not not content with life really and like what I was doing professionally or where I was going professionally. So my uh, girlfriend at the time, um, current wife, uh, and I was like, well, let's really <laughs> I like how you say current wife. Like at some point there's gonna be a different wife. You gotta watch that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep, keep remarrying her. Yeah, there you over, go. There you go. Good recovery. Over and over. You like that? That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, I like that. So, you know, um, not happy, decided, you know, screw this. Let's move to Maryland and quit my job with really no plan at all, um, to be honest with you. Like, I had, like, something, like, really questionable lined up, but I was just like, fuck it, going for it. Quit my job. Moved down to Maryland, right outside D.C., worked at, like, this, this big nightclub for, like, a minute, and wasn't wasn't really what I was looking for. I found out very soon, and, you know, I'm living down there by myself. You know, Emily's still back in PA, so 
I had like no plan, just trying to figure it out and, you know, made, you know, getting like side DJ gigs, um, wherever I could find them and like, you know, outside DC and in, in like near Baltimore and just applying the jobs and, um, had this opportunity, um, that I got an interview for at Stanley Black and Decker, which is the company who owns DeWalt Power Tools. For those of you who are, know what that, you know, who they are, you know, went in, got the interview for like this big sales, like this sales opportunity, got the job, had the job taken away from me because I had a point on my license from when I was younger living in PA, um, bad luck. Karma came and kicked me in the butt a little bit. Had the job taken away from me. Got offered a different job after I was like, well, that sucks. And they're like, well, we can do this. I'm like, oh, okay. So got this job at, you know, Stanley Black and Decker's, you know, selling tools um, on the phone and doing like inside sales. Clearly, I was, you know, the way that you and I are kind of hardwired, once again, rolled in there super confident, like, you know, this is a joke. I need to do more. Um, you know, give me more. So, took a big leap right out of that job. Like I did that for like a year, got my feet wet, got in the company and had this big opportunity to go on event marketing with like this VP who ran it. And, you know, talk about a leap in like careers from like one to the next, like that doesn't happen that often. So lo and behold, he's like, Hey, I need you to do a project. And the project was developing and like executing this, huge event series across the country like with our nascar sponsorship which we've had with the wall since like the 90s early 90s with our driver mac kenzie at the time he's, he just retired but it was like his last season and you know this massive event i had to put it all together and my first event was like the daytona 500 which is like insane yeah that's a hell of a way to start yeah it's like insane so like I get thrown into this job, the, the, my my boss at the time was very just hands off in like extreme literal sense. Like he just he told you what to do, and you know hopefully it got done. And if it didn't get done, like it's on you because he was too busy. Um, so put this huge event together with this trailer, this big trailer that was like decked out with the wall um, graphics tools. It was like a seventy by one hundred foot event space for like those of you who can like kind of picture that. It's that's that's big. That's big. Yeah. Yeah, it's big. And my first event was the Daytona 500, where I you know, had this event where I um, you know, brought in the employees from Stanley Black & Decker from that region of the country. We'd have race fans come to, our, come to my event where music was being played. There was power tool demos where they can come in, try the power tools, ask questions, kind of just experience what DeWalt is, hence why we called it the DeWalt Experience. And then on top of that, um, we had our NASCAR driver who was, you know, as I mentioned, Matt Kenseth, who was, pr- was pretty famous in the racing space, come to the event every time that it was out of track. And we did a, a live interview in front, in front of like, Two, depending on the track, two to five hundred fans each time. It was just crazy, dude. Like, it literally was like a like a roller coaster of an experience. Like, I, I still look back and like, what happened? To be honest with you, because it was like three days each track. Thursday, Friday, we'll get through Thursday, activate the event Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, I'm in charge of all this crazy stuff, and I have to interview like professional NASCAR driver Matt Kenseth, who won like the title and was like Rookie of the Year back when he started, like big name, like definitely not a slouch it was just it was nuts dude like i got to i got to travel the country and do this thing for dewalt which is like a world-renowned brand interviewing 
our driver, our, even our Stanley driver, you know, Daniel Suarez at like Talladega, Daytona 500, Bristol, um, Chicago, Delaware, Miami, like all over the place. I like got to interact, interview and put these large events on. It was, dude, it was nuts, man. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was one heck of an experience that was definitely, it, it tested me. You know, I was nervous when it started because it's a very large, it's a very big thing to have on your shoulders. Like, hey, you know, we're throwing, you know, a million plus dollars into this whole thing. You yeah. know, don't screw it up. Good luck. Up. Yeah. 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 Don't fuck it up. <laughs> you know, because whatever you do reflects on, the brand yeah so dude i look back i'm like i would do it all over again to be honest with you. like it was one of those opportunities where i wasn't expecting it and it kind of happened and i did i did well at it and, you know I, I knocked it out of the park and you know it kind of set me up for where i'm what i'm doing now in the company um you know what i'm doing brand strategy for for dewalt now like it's it's just interesting how things one thing like as we were talking before like one thing leads to another leads to another leads to another yeah, isn't it just, funny how it's like, okay, yeah, it's nuts. Like, this 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 goofy kid that didn't fit in and dressed too nice for Central PA and was really good at dance, which wasn't cool, but did scouts and got some leadership abilities, swam so he knew how to work hard, then went to college and was a tool bag, quote unquote, but <laughs> pressed the limits, learned how to DJ, got comfortable talking in front of a crowd and falling down and getting back up and failing and learning and then boom, you're 28 in your brand strategy for DeWalt Power Tools. And if you didn't do all that other stupid stuff, you wouldn't be as good as you are at the important stuff that you are right now. Dude, it's crazy to think about it, like how how things just kind of stack and build off each other. Because you don't think about that when you're younger. You're not very conscious of time and you know things that are happening in your life when you're younger. But like yeah. now that I'm now that we're older, you really think about it and apply significant meaning and thought behind your experiences, your interaction with people, the opportunities you receive, and you know the outcomes of those of those things. And you know I'm looking back on it now, and I'm like, wow, it's nuts. Dude, and but it's for, so cool. It's, it's, dude, it's cool awesome. though, man. It's cool. I mean, you're 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 a freaking dad now. Like, think yeah. about that. Dude, it's like, wild. You're 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 a new father. Like, your building blocks are stacking up, man. And it's just yeah. It's, it's, dude, it's crazy when you think about everything we've done in our first twenty eight years of life. To me, what scares me is what if I don't do as much in the next twenty eight. You know, that's probably the reason why I'm doing this too. It's like okay, you get yeah. to a point where it's like I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to just. Yeah. have the status quo i'm just going to keep trying new stuff and seeing what else happens yeah. and what's going to lead to this because i don't want to be the guy that's 60 thinking oh i should have done this or that it's like no i'm gonna be yeah. the guy that said yo i did that and this is what i, I learned from it i definitely don't want to be that guy and i know you don't want to be that guy i mean, that, I mean that's yeah. why we're doing the, the stuff we're doing man i mean we're both still taking risk and trying new things and you know seeing where uh oh dude i said deja vu for everyone who's oh, yeah. listening yeah i'm just like like sitting here listening to the conversation, like looking around, like looking around this room. I'm like, man, I've like had this, I've had like this, this dream. Like I dreamt this before or something really weird. Interesting. Yeah. And I, and I rarely have deja vu to be honest. Like I rarely huh. have it, but right now I just had it. It's crazy. Well, yeah, dude. Oh, well, oof. I'll take the deja vu moment as my next lovely segue. So I have a set of questions that I'm going to ask everybody. One, okay. because there's stuff I want to ask people, but I think it'd be cool then you look at the arc of this thing, however long it lasts. Yeah. And from a pure just data collection standpoint, asking the same people everything, it'll be interesting to see how different people answer. So it starts off really easy to break the ice, and then we get deep. So just get ready. First question, very easy. 
Yep. What is your name? My name is Michael Jonathan Tonark. All right. What's your age? I'm 28 years old. Okay. Your occupation? Brand marketing strategist uh, for DeWalt Power Tools. Sounds like an awesome business card. Side note. It's kind of cool. You get that on a business card. You're like, dang, this guy, he knows what he's doing. He's doing something right, yeah. All right. So (laughs) now this can often differ from your occupation. So what is your passion? Music, man. Music? music. DJing, dude. I love DJing. It's, um, It's what I love to do. Okay. Now we're starting to get a little deeper. Describe your life in three words. Wow. Dude. That's kind of tough. Let me think here. It's an adventure. That's good. It's like phrase too, even though it's three words. I like that. What's been your happiest life moment? You know, three iconic moments of happiness were getting my Eagle Scout, graduating college, and marrying my wife. Those, well, are, good, those are good three. Yeah, it's a, it's a solid three, man. Yeah, solid three. All right. So opposite of that, what would you say is your lowest life moment? Lowest life? Oh, geez. Oof. I told you they're getting uh, deep. Dude. And so some- the context yeah. for this, I feel like, is – People always ask you what's the greatest or the best or whatever, but a lot of people don't talk about the worst stuff, but that's all part of the journey. So that's where you learn a lot. So that's, so I just want to talk about that with people. I mean, for a while there, man, I had some dark days, dude, out of college. Like I, I was doing some shit, dude. <laughs> yeah. I was doing some shit, man. Um, so we're talking about worst, like, like worst day. Like, yeah. So if you had your happiest life moments, just your lowest. The, just to put the two say, side by side i would say like when i moved down to maryland and i thought I, you know i had that job and then they call me and tell me they had to retract the offer i was just like fuck i was like so close i was just so disappointed i was like i don't know what the hell i'm gonna do like yeah i had it all lined up man i was ready to rock and roll dude that'd be hard you move to a whole new city there's nobody there you think you got it set up and then boom Nothing. Yeah. Especially, especially like after like not having a plan and like grinding to find an opportunity and then like getting this job and then just being ripped away from me. That was a pretty low moment, man. That was a pretty hard moment. So, what's know? the what do you think the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? In general, though, I would say like just accumulation of the advice I've gotten is just like be be who just be who you are and work your ass off. So then, what do you think is the best piece of advice you could give? Ah, uh, man, fuck the haters, bro. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like, for, like, everyone who didn't think that you were shit or didn't see, didn't really get it, you know, get who you were, like, and and you you hear a lot of, like, successful people say this, but it's so true. You know, you might be going through those tough times in, like, middle school, high school, where you just don't seem to fit in the mold, but the ones who don't fit in the mold are the ones who people want to be part of the mold. You know, once you get to where you want to be, people want to be part of your mold. So with people that know each other back to back episodes here. So obviously, you know, Nick, Nick knows you. I asked Nick off air then I said, all right, after you started the way you did, I'm going to talk to Mike next. What's one question you want to ask Mike, even though Nick can't be here. So I wrote that down to ask you, he's going deep and he, he wants to know what your biggest regret is. He would ask that. Uh, my biggest regret. Do you mind if I like, think about this for a second? Sure. Percolate on it. Let me, yeah, let, let me so percolate I'll, The next thing is just we talked for a while. It's been it's been about an hour already, believe it or not. So yeah, what do you want to ask me? It's only fair. 
I've been throwing the questions at you. I'll flip it to you and something <laughs> you want to ask me. Let me think here. Interesting. You're right. This does get pretty deep, man. I know. So kind of shoot the shit, reminisce. We talk about the journey, and then it's like, all right, let's peel back the layers of the onion. Man. You're still hung up on the regrets question. I am, man, because I'm, you know, I'm, I, I try not to think about it. I, you know, I feel like you, you need to think about it sometimes, and I don't think there's a single, like a, a, a single regret. I mean, there, it, there's like an accumulation of like a couple regrets that I feel like are all kind of on the same level. You know what I mean? Like one, I would say, and this is kind of between like you and me here. You know, I kind of regret how you know maybe we handled you know the the end of our relationship in college, you know, could have been done a little bit more maturely probably. Sure. Yeah. You know we got I mean? like, I think we were just on overload. Like we yeah, lived together yeah. for like, just, it was like an intense three years, did everything yeah. together. just kind of like blew up where it was like, he did a yeah. break. I mean, and, and that's what happens when like, when you're, when you're, when you live with someone who you're, you're a lot alike yeah. as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I would say that that's a regret, you know, just between like, you know, since we're talking right now. Sure. No, I appreciate um, that. I, I thought the same yeah. thing where it's just like, yeah. if I could go back, I would do it differently. Cause now you just realize yeah. how much bullshit that was really, you know, Del? so it was. Uh, definitely was, but look at us now. I mean, it's all good. It's, it's, it's all gravy, man. Life, life, life continues, dude. It's just how you learn from these things. You know, I would, I would have been maybe a little bit closer with my dad growing up. You know, but being an only kid, things were, you know, a little bit different. I don't know. Sure. Well, and there, we didn't even talk about that. But your parents are a lot older than typical parents, so that had to be difficult too. Yeah, they are, dude. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard. You know, my parents are, my dad's in his mid seventies, and mom's in her mid sixties. So it was a little bit different of a dynamic, and I kind of regret not having, you know, having that foresight in the moment but you know growing up you always don't have you don't have context right um you know your parents always say oh you know blah 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 when you get older you're gonna realize this and you're like no i won't yeah now we're like damn it they're right there's no way you're just it's just the way kind of the cookie crumbles and things happen you know those are a couple but what's awesome about that is he's still here so you realize that and you can be close with him now you know it's always time to to make that step yeah other than that, dude, I, I really, I really don't regret much at all. Like I kind of own, own my, my decisions and I'm the same way. It's like, how would you regret, dude? Okay. This is going back, right? I'm pretty sure this is the line from a song I wrote when I was 17 back in my band days, but, um, something along the, the lines of how could you regret the things that make you who you are? Exactly. Do you dude. know? So it's like, yeah, that shit happened, but whatever it's behind me now. And now I have this nugget of wisdom this knowledge from that part of life yeah. that now i'm gonna it's the lens that you see the next part of your life through so I feel, I feel like people who actually regret stuff are the ones who aren't able to learn from their experiences yeah they don't move past it they're just still hung they up don't on move it. Past it and they, they they see that moment in time as like a, like a, an anchor instead of like a learning experience and that's why i think people hold you know people have regrets are the ones who can't see the lesson Right through it, and uh, I try to see the lesson in everything, whether it be after the fact or during the fact. But it's I, I still that's that's my outlook on it. So, yeah, man. So, what do you think? Kinda, Any questions for me? Yeah, dude. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of like the re- the regrets thing, dude. Like, you know, like happiest moment, like saddest moment, like a regret. Like, do, do you mind like you know throwing a couple things out in in, in terms of of those? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm kind of interested. So you want me to run down the same, like the happiest, the lowest, and the regret that that yeah, trifecta? Dude, yeah, yeah, 
if, if you don't mind, I mean, I, I don't know if you're going to do no, this with everybody. But I'm going to do it with everybody. It's funny. I was like, you know, one day someone's going to ask me this and I should really have an answer picked out. And I hadn't gotten that far yet. But man, it's there's been so many great things in my life. And I think like you said, there's different types of happiness. And in the moment, it feels like it's the happiest thing until you then reach that next happiest thing. So you got this collection of happiest things, you know, and it's hard to just pick one. But yeah, I mean, not to copy you, but dude, getting the Eagle Scout was cool. That was something I worked, you know, basically from kindergarten through high school for. So that was really cool. Yeah. And that was cool for me too, because my grandfather, whom I'm named after, he only ever made it to the rank of Life Scout and always told me he made it to life and then life took over. Yeah. Um, and he never wanted that to happen for me. So when I got my Eagle Scout, we got to pick a mentor and give them like an Eagle pin. And I picked him. And man, he puffed his chest out with so much pride. You would have thought he just got his Eagle Scout. And so that was really cool to be able to share that moment with him. That's cool. Um, dude, ironically, I don't put college graduation up there. I was so ready to get the hell out of that place. At the moment, I just didn't enjoy it to the level that I should have. But yeah, I, I look at it like, you know, and I can see that that as well. But like, you got to look at it from a different lens. Though. You got to think yeah. like, out of all the people in the world, you know, we're extremely fortunate to have been given the opportunity to go to like a school like we did absolutely yeah no doubt you know you know like in the moment i felt the same way too so like in the moment the context in the moment i was like shit thank god you know i'm out of here but yep. like as i as i grew older i look I, I like look back i'm like you know and that made me really happy i'm like you know what man that was that was great like what what an opportunity yep what an opportunity to do. So yeah, yeah, no, but continue. Sorry. Dude, no, that's fine. And then similarly, while marrying my wife was a happy moment, I think even more than that, when she said yes to the proposal, I feel like was yeah. a, a bigger moment of euphoria than the actual wedding, which sounds yeah. bad because the wedding is awesome and it's fun, but that was more of a, I guess I'll just call it a production. You know, it wasn't just me and her, it was everybody. And so you're so focused on entertaining. But when I proposed to Claire, she didn't want it to be in public. So it was just me and her. I had a cutesy little thing planned and I was so freaking nervous, even though we've been together for so long, just still that thought of, holy crap, I'm going to ask this woman to spend the rest of my life with me. And I really hope she says yes, because it's going to be awkward to sell if she says no. So Dude, I hear you, when she finally was, you know, did it. most recently, I, I want to say having my son was my happiest moment. And it was happy, but it was the most stressful moment. It's like, I'll put it yeah. in that category, but it's like a different type of happiness. It was like a relief that, holy crap, this is over. You know what I mean? Like, he's here. Everybody's healthy. You know, put this behind us. So I'll go with yeah. those three, you know. It's incredible. And there's lots of other ones in between, but I think those would be the top three. Dude, lowest? I don't know. I mean, I was a really, really, like, angsty teenager. So I don't even know if it was really low, but it was just, like, I was moody and had to work through my stuff. But talking as I think here, this is going to sound really weird, but I feel like recently I had my lowest life moment because – and it's at a time in my life when I shouldn't have any low moments. Like I'm, I just, I'm building a house, beautiful wife, just had a baby, you know, everything's going good, but all that pressure just mounts and mounts and mounts and mounts. And I don't know. I mean, I know guys' hormones change after giving or their wives give birth and adjusting to this new normal, but there have been definite moments recently where I've just been like, you know, I don't know if it's like depressed because I don't think I'm like clinically depressed, but it just all becomes a lot sometimes. And so like while all this awesome stuff's happening, I find myself sometimes just being like not happy or sad. 
you know, and it's something I've had to deal with and try to talk through with Claire and other guys that are dads and kind of going through similar things. And it's just like a different part of your life now, you know, where it's just a different definition of things like happiness yeah. and fulfillment. And it's definitely not all about you anymore, you know? So it's just kind of readjusting. The meaning of, and, life, the meaning of life and your purpose in life changes, dude. Oh, I, like a thousand percent. Like it is just, yeah. and you can't really put it into words. So I don't want to say that's low, but I guess I've just felt low. It's not a low life moment. I've just felt low recently yeah, sometimes. So I'll say that, and that's just, you know, me being real, even though it's probably a taboo thing to say, but whatever, bringing on world. So, and then biggest regret, dude, I really, it's going to sound corny. I don't regret a damn thing. Seriously, yeah. I've, I have done stupid things that I will never talk about on recordings but I, it's like i would regret it if i got caught doing those things probably because i wouldn't be where i'm at right now but i didn't get caught and i learned from it and here i am and it's just part of my psyche now and oh, there i go you know so it's just i don't feel like i have time to just sit and regret like you said it's a waste of time like i really i could yeah, think man. about it, i was happy or sad but any yeah. any decision like, i make i take it on the chin I own it and I move forward. I'm not going to just dwell on it and, you know, say what was me. So, dude, I feel you, man. And that's like honestly how I feel too, dude. Like, I mean, I don't even like to categorize those things I mentioned as like true regrets. Like, it, yeah. You know, just you like know, if you're going like, to make me pick one, I guess I'll pick one, but it's. Yeah, dude. Like, I really don't regret much of anything, man. I just, same way as you, dude. Just take it, learn from it. It's, it is what it is, dude.